continuing here today a series that we began last week. And if you weren't here, that's okay. Uh, we are going to uh, be uh, looking at the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that uh, so many have um, in here have experienced themselves, but there's also many who they kind of wonder, what is this whole Holy Spirit thing about? I've heard about it. I've heard about Spirit-filled churches. I've heard about the Spirit of God, but sometimes that kind of seems a little out there as far as, uh, you know, what does it really mean? And so our goal over these next couple of weeks really is to demystify, and I said this last week, that our goal is to demystify what it means to live a spirit-led life. And in this, I want to start by just clearing up, uh, or, or rather we, we did this last week, just clearing up, you know, what is this spirit that we're talking about? It's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, some one of many uh, spirits and, and one of many gods that we could worship, but the spirit that we're talking about is the same spirit that was in Jesus Christ that Scripture says is now in you. He said, uh, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent his disciples uh, to, to go to Jerusalem. He said, I want you to go and await there for what? For my spirit. He said, I will send my spirit. He said, I will be with you always. I may be leaving this earth. My feet may be leaving this earth, but I'm not leaving. My spirit will still be with you. And when that spirit came, they went and they prayed for 10 days, seeking that thing that um, that was promised by Jesus. And when it came, uh, they knew it because it says that all of a sudden their language began to change. And they began to speak in, in languages that they did not know. And that was the evidence of the infilling of the Spirit, the initial evidence. And they began to have those around them that question, what is this that's taking place in, among these 120 people? And Peter, the one disciple, stood up and he began to tell them who were wondering, that this is the thing that was prophesied of a couple hundred years ago by Joel when he said that, uh, uh, speaking for God, that I will pour out my spirit. And what's the promise for? He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. That this is for everyone. This is for you. So what we're going to be talking about is not for that black belt Christian who's been in this for a long time and uh, is, you know, just like super spiritual kind of personal. This is for everyone. This spirit-led life and being filled with the Spirit of God is God's plan for everyone. And that's what we want to experience. We want to uh, have an experience where God is, um, God is living and working in the lives of every one of us. And that is our hope here today. And in fact, if we're going to go to Romans chapter eight, 
Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That if we want to be the children of God, then there is an expectation that we are led by the Spirit of God. And today, I just want to continue looking into this powerful, supernatural work of the Spirit. And here's where our focus is going to land today, is on the fact that the Spirit-led life is a journey. You know, some people think that there's... There's something wrong with their relationship with God because it doesn't feel like the victory lap that you may have been expecting. You know, you you were baptized, you were filled with the Holy Ghost, and, uh, and, and does anybody remember perhaps that victory lap kind of feeling after that initial time that that you uh, that you experienced the Spirit of God working in your life? And anybody remember that time? And for me, it was. It was uh, 20, 20 some years ago. I, I look back at, at when God filled me with His Spirit, and and I just remember the high that that I was on. Remember that victory lap that I was on, and and you, you know you feel like you can just go forever, and the strength of that Spirit fill you know infilling in your life, and um, and but sometimes. Uh, I shouldn't say sometimes, all the time, you're going to have ups and downs even after God's Spirit comes and, and fills your life. So things begin to change and sometimes we begin to wonder, you know, what's what's wrong with me? I don't feel the same and, and you know, I, I don't feel the same as when I initially felt God moving in my life and and here you are, you know, it's like that that excitement or that that strength that you once had. You know, sometimes it, it seems to be gone or seems to be missing. And, and here's what I want you to, to remind you of is the fact that salvation is the initiation of the journey. That new birth experience of repentance, as Peter laid it out to those who were asking on that day, uh, you know, what is this that's happening to these people? And Peter stood up and he said, this is that which was that Joel was talking about. And then he said, when they asked the question, what do we need to do to be saved? He told them, repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins or for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so, and so that is that initial salvation uh, experience, but that is the beginning. That's not the journey, and that's not the end of the journey. So the Spirit-led life is a journey, and you just need to settle in. We all need to settle in for the fact that this is a journey, because some people have this idea that you know the Spirit-led life is like playing spiritual hopscotch from one mountaintop to the next, and... It's just like, here, here I am. I'm going to be living for God. This is going to be great. I'm always going to be on the high point of my life. But the reality begins to set in that there's going to be some lows. And here's what you need to know. That's, that doesn't mean that the Spirit has led you astray or that you've lost the Spirit. He's still with you. He's still in you. And He did not abandon you. And the spirit-led life involves this really powerful journey. It's, 
you know, salvation, that, that salvation moment, uh, and we continue to be saved. And there's one day when you're going to have that final salvation where we all come into a place of eternity and we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. But until that time, it's a journey that we're on. So don't look for just a one-time experience in your life, but look for a journey. Let's expect a journey. It's, you know, it's been said, it's been said about our, our culture's attention span that we've been conditioned by all the 30 second commercials and now social media and scrolling on our phones. It's, it's been said that, uh, essentially any message that's more than 30 seconds, we have a hard time of maintaining our attention. So you can kind of appreciate my dilemma here this morning, trying to preach to you today. But, you know, the same is true just kind of within ourselves, you know, whether it's 30 seconds or just, just a diminished time frame that, uh, in fact, I, I read one report that said that the attention span in America is now less than that of a goldfish. I don't know exactly how they came up with that or whether or not it's true, but it really does say something about how in this culture we live in today that we have a short attention span and sometimes the truth is it's not difficult to get someone interested in the message but it can be terrifically difficult to get them to sustain that interest and it's not always that difficult to to have that one-time experience but to have a sustained experience where where our attention doesn't wander and and begin to drift off into other things that the world would have to offer us is something that we need to uh we need to realize that this is not just a one-time thing it's not about just a one-time experience but it's a journey that we are on and we need to be committed to the journey Let's set our attention on God and keep it on God. You know, people sometimes in this, in this world, it seems as though they just want to take a joy ride with Jesus. They want to go and, you know, that it, take a little Sunday joy ride and, and you want it to be hot. You want it to, uh, you want it to be good. You want, you want that music cranking and, and to feel good on a Sunday. And there you are. But, but then, you know, on Monday, uh, you know, you just go and do whatever you've always done. But God, he, he says, I give you my spirit, not just for a Sunday experience where you're gathered together with all the other believers, but it's for every day. And I want you to, to be just as, as locked in on me and everything that I'm trying to say to you on Monday as you were on Sunday. It's not just a Sunday morning joyride. This is not a church that promotes just a, a one-time experience. This is the church that promotes a, a lasting relationship experience with Jesus Christ. See, the church is called to be the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. This is not about just a one-time date. And I'm, I'm sorry if you're, you're looking at the notes trying to figure out where are we at today. I, I'll get to them here just briefly. But we are called to be the bride of Christ and to be espoused to Christ is a lasting thing. It's not just a, it's not just a, a, a quick date and, and then you're off to the next one. You know, what an honor. What a privilege it is. What a, what a blessing that God would, would say, you're mine and I'm his. 
that, that we can be in relationship with God. That he, whenever we speak, we, can, he, he, we have his ear. He's listening. He's, he's ready. He, he's there for us. And, and in fact, not just that, but he's there to, to help prompt us. And, to, and that's what the spirit is all about. It's about him speaking to us. And, and in times, even when we're, when we're not, uh, you know, in the place where we ought to be, God is like, here, let me, let me get you back on track. Let me just speak, you know, put, put something in your spirit that, that you know, hey, I, I need to make some changes in my life and, and that God would walk with you every day. See, the Bible, the Bible is all about journeys. There's so many journeys that we see in, in Scripture. Abraham, for example, he was, he was a man in the, the Old Testament, of course, one of the prominent patriarchs in, in Scripture. And he had this journey from his homeland to a land of promise. A place that God said, I want to bring you from this pagan land where they serve all these other gods and, and even your family is mixed up in all of that. And I want to teach you what it means to walk with me and to trust me. And I have a promised land for you that everywhere that you, your feet touch, that land is going to be yours and your generations after you. And, now, and I want to give this place to you. And so Abraham goes on this journey. And, and there's a whole lot that happens between that homeland to the, to the promised land that he was going to. The Bible, it, it goes through all the different tests and the trials, the ups and the downs of, of Abraham's journey. We, we see Joseph. Joseph, he lived a life that was a journey. His, his life, it, it started with such promise at a young age. If you know the story of Joseph, he was a dreamer. He was the favored one in his household. His dad loved him more than any of his other brothers, and he had a big family. But, but he was the one that he had so much potential in him, and not just because his dad liked him, but because God was giving him these dreams about where his life was headed. But it wasn't quite the same trajectory and the same path that he was expecting. Instead, he had to go through a journey. His brothers, they didn't like him so much, so they intended on killing him one day when he went out to, to greet them when they were out with the sheep. And they threw him into a pit, and, and he was there. They, they saw a, uh, an opportunity to make some money, and so they sold him into slavery as some slave traders came uh, came. Uh, by them and, and there he is he finds himself in Egypt and even in Egypt as a slave he finds himself finding favor but then things begin to take a turn for the worse as he is lied about and he's thrown into prison for it and he spends time in prison and he gets the favor of the prison guard and he's there and it seems like things are going up and and he, he gets an opportunity to talk to Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker and and they're there and and it, it they have dreams and he's able to interpret the dreams. Things are looking up, but they forget about him. And so he sits there for another three years in prison until finally Pharaoh himself has a dream that cannot be interpreted, but it's troubling him. And, and all of a sudden his, his servant who had had his dream interpreted by Joseph in the prison cell, he remembers, hey, there's one that's in the prison. Let's go get him. He might be able to tell you what this dream really means. And so finally he is elevated to the position of second in charge over all of Egypt. And the reason for it was 
was not just to save Egypt and it was not just to uh, fulfill Joseph's dreams, but it was because this was God's way of preserving his people, the Israelites, the family that God had promised that they would have generations where God would be their God and he would be committed to them. But it was a journey that Joseph was on. It was a journey from his home to Pharaoh's court. It was, it had ups and it had downs. You, you look at King David. King David had to take a journey through the fields of shepherding, through the, the battle of Goliath, through the caves, the wilderness as he's running from Saul and, and then into the palace. All, all of this is a journey that David was on. Even Jesus had to take a journey. He took a journey through a wilderness, 40 days in wilderness with test trials that would come his way, the journey that he had to go through. And uh, when people are, uh, you know, they, they love him, they hate him, they, 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 they're with him, they, they leave him. They, they, this, this journey of, of people that, uh, you know, on one side or the other, he goes and there's a storm on the water, but he walks on the water. There he is, he finds himself knowing what's about to come. And so he goes to a garden and he kneels there in the garden. And he prays, God, not my will, but yours be done. But he didn't stay in the garden. Because the journey led him to a place of suffering. And the journey led him to the place where he would give his life for ours. And Jesus, his life was a journey. We even go beyond Jesus into Paul, one of the most prolific preachers in all of, of Christianity. And, and we see Paul, of course, a, a just miraculous journey in his life from a man who was persecuting Christians. And on his way to Damascus one day to go with the authority of the, the, the temple, uh, people in the temple to go and to, to throw the people that were uh, Christians there in Damascus into jail. He, he finds himself falling off of his, his donkey and, and a bright light that's shining out of heaven and a voice begins to speak out and says, it is me that you're persecuting, Jesus Christ. You're, I'm the one that you're persecuting. I'm the one. And so Paul, he has this, this incredible moment where God speaks to him on the road to Damascus. And he himself has quite a road before he ever goes to Rome and his life is ended there in Rome. It was a journey. There are highs and there's lows. I would venture to say that even those that we don't get to see their whole life in scripture, we don't, we don't, you know, we just see the highlights that even them, they had highs and they had lows in their life. They had a journey. You know, the Bible is about journeys and your relationship with God is not all about that one moment of conversion. It's about moments. Moments that you would have with God. Moments when you would learn to trust God. Moments when you learn to hear and to identify His voice. Moments where you learn what His Spirit is saying to you and you, you realize, you know what, this is not just something that I could experience one time at an altar, but this is something that God is really trying to transform me and change me 
And there's moments that happen in your life as you grow and you hear his, him leading you and guiding you. And this, that's what this spirit-led life is all about. It's, about. it's about helping you through every single day that you would get through knowing God is with me and he's, he cares about me. And he, he wants to help me through my day and, and through the highs and through the lows. I cannot forget that God is with me and his spirit is leading me. You see, we need the journey. We need it. The spirit-led life is it's going to take you various places to reveal things to you and to, to teach you powerful things about God. You, you're going to learn things about God in the journey. Now, now uh, I believe that this journey, it's, it's going to bless the end product. That your life, it will not turn out the way that God wants it to turn out unless you go through the journey being led by the Spirit. Now, without the journey, you're not going to be the refined product that God would want there to be at that, at the end of your life. Because the journey refines us. The journey, it matures us. The, the journey, it, it elevates us. It brings us to a place where we realize, you know what? I don't, I, I'm not struggling with the same things that I used to struggle with. I have growth. I, I'm experiencing some growth over things that I used to struggle with. And, and I mean, I mean, matured. I'm being elevated to different places where God is even teaching me. The journey teaches us. It teaches us to, uh, you know, know, through the the things that we would go through, the the journey, what it does is it reveals our true character. Because no matter if you're filled with the Spirit or not, you have the opportunity to ignore God, ignore the Spirit, you know, that's in you, or to obey it. And what you do reveals your character. Whether you obey God and obey that Spirit, it, it's revealing your character. The journey, what it does is it reveals our inadequacies. And that's okay because God says, in your weakness, I'm made strong. It's okay to have inadequacies. Perfectly fine with God for you to have things where you say, I'm weak in this area. Because God says, I'm glad that you've identified it. Because now it's time for me to be able to step in. And to come in and and to help you get through those areas of your life where you're struggling. And you realize, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need God. I need to live a spirit-led life. The journey, it it reveals in us that, that we need God. The journey, it teaches us to worship. It teaches us that He is great. And greatly to be praised. When I go through the journey. And I'm here. And even in the lowest times. I've seen those in the lowest times of their life. Step into a church building. And they lift up their hands. And you would say. What do you have to worship God about? And they say. It's not about my present circumstance. But it's about who he is. And I know that God is still with me. And I know that even in the journey. That I'm in right now. That God has not left me. And so I lift my hands to worship him. Because he's taught me a long time ago that even right now I I am blessed and God is with me and he's going to help me through it and I worship him and the journey teaches us that I can worship him no matter what 
You see, the journey is really the key that is uh, that we have for deliverance. It's the key for deliverance. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, I say then, to walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice that it says, walk in the Spirit. This is a... This is... In, uh, talking about the fact that it's going to take some steps for you to, uh, to, to trust God and to, to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill, what does it say, the lust of the flesh. Now that phrase, if it seems unfamiliar to you, let me just uh, tell you what, is, what he's talking about, the lust of the flesh, that is talking about the things that you would desire before God came into your life. The things that, that you would want to do before God came in and he changed your desires. Now you can revert back to those previous desires if you, if you want to. But, but God is saying if you, as long as you're walking in the spirit and you're led by me, then you're not going to desire the things of the flesh. You're not going to desire the things because in fact, Paul says elsewhere that those things, uh, the, the person who loved those things is now dead. I mean, he puts some strong language on it. He says, the reality is the person who loved those things is dead. And if you go back to loving those things, then you're resurrecting a dead person who was never meant to exist now. Because you are called to live in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And so let's get away from, uh, from lusting after or wanting the things from your former life. Now it continues. It says, Galatians 5, 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are the lusts of the flesh. And that sounds pretty serious. If he ends it that way, that whoever does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That sounds like something that I better heed in my life. I better pay attention to it. And we we talked last week about how the spirit is like this navigational system for our life. And it's leading every one of us to the same destination. It's like that GPS system. And you plug in the destination. The spirit's already plugged in the destination for you. That destination is heaven. Every one of us is trying to get you to heaven. Now, the highway that it's going to take you on is the highway of holiness. Every one of us, that's the pathway. It's to live a holy life, which is to live a separated life from God or from the world and dedicated to God. That's that's the the, the way that the the GPS system, the navigational guide, which is uh, the, the leading of the spirit, 
That's the way that it's going to get us there. And so that holiness is, is always, uh, the road of holiness is always going to be free of these things that we just read about in Galatians. Now, has anybody here ever uh, taken a, a trip with kids, like young kids? I've got three young boys of my own. We'll take some trips, even if it's a, you know, a, for us, a, you know, a, a shorter trip down to, to Indianapolis, let's say. Maybe going down to the Children's Museum in Indianapolis. We'll get up early in the morning and, and it's, uh, you know, time to, time to get ready and we, we start getting ready. We, we have some breakfast. I noticed my one, uh, one son, he doesn't want to eat any breakfast and so, Finally, we get in the car, and we get we get in the car. We're ready. We're packed. We're we're going uh, going on our way to Indianapolis. And then all of a sudden, I hear from the back seat, "Hey, Dad, I gotta go to the bathroom. Why didn't you go when we were at home? Well, I didn't have to go then. But I really, really have to go. And you know, if they really, really have to go, you probably better stop. So you stop. You pull off and. And you make a pit stop there, they, they, they go to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden, you know, just a little bit further down the road, they, they said, Dad, I'm really hungry. Well, why didn't you eat your breakfast? I wasn't hungry then when I had my, that breakfast in front of you. Now, I probably wouldn't do this myself, but let's say you're just a really nice parent. And you say, okay, son, let's pull off and let's get some food. And so you pull off and, and you get some food for them and, and now they've had their breakfast, they've had their pit stop to go, to go to the bathroom and, and, and now they're, you're getting just a little bit further down the road and they're saying, Dad, why is this taking so long? Well, if you wouldn't have us pull off the highway so many times, it wouldn't take so long. And the same is true with our life many times. We wonder, why am I not as far down the road as I thought I would be? Why is it that, that I haven't progressed quite as much as I thought I would have progressed? But the thing is for us, sometimes we see some little pit stops alongside the highway and we say, let me just take this little off ramp here and I'm just going to go and I'm going to stop there for a bit. I'll get back on the highway when it's convenient and I'm going to, you know, get back on the journey, but let's just take this little pit stop. And for us, if we can stop taking the pit stops and the off ramps from the highway and the journey that God has us on, it's not, you know, we can truly find a place where God is, is, is bringing us to, to a place of overcoming the struggles in our life and finding a place where we are impacting the lives of others. And he can really elevate us to a place where, where you are seeing, uh, you know, real progress happen in, in, in your prayers and in things and, and not, not to say that you, you earn all of the things, you know, in this life with God. But there are so many things that we take pit stops for and we get off the road and then we look back and we say, why am I here? And you have the power in yourself to take that pit stop or not. So here's my encouragement today. Let's stay on the road. Let's stay on the highway. No, let's stop taking the, the off ramps every time that the, that the enemy puts up a sign. You know, there's a whole lot of advertising that goes on on highways. 
You drive down the highway, you see all the billboards, all the flashy uh, signs, and they're trying to get your attention. And the, the enemy does a, the same thing for you. He'll put a whole lot of billboards and, and things in your life. And, and, and his advertising, a lot of times, is a lot more tailored than just those billboards that have to be you know, for the masses. He knows the things that can get you distracted. And it's not all sinful things. You know, some of it's just busyness. Some of it's just, you know, just getting distracted with, with stuff that doesn't really matter. And he's, he's trying to get you off the journey. He's trying to get you away from, from a, a dedicated life of, you know, of, of being a, a Christian and being the one that God has called you to be. And so, and so let's stay on the road. Let's, let's just ignore the, 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 uh, billboards and the, th- the advertisements that the enemy would put up to try to get you to get off the road. Let's stop. Let's stop going after these things that we just read about in Galatians, where it's the lust of the flesh, the things that our flesh would desire, those things that the enemy will put out there, and and let's instead walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, he says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you keep on the highway, if you keep that GPS and trust it, tr- keep trusting that navigational system, this is going to get me where I need to go. And that means sometimes I can't, I can't follow the urge to get off the highway, but instead I want to get there with as many people with me as I can. The only pit stops I'm making is when I have somebody along the road that says, take me with you. Take me with you. I knew I want to get on the road with you. And come on, we got as much room as we can, as we have. Let's, let's get on the road. I want to bring you with me to that destination. Amen. That journey that we have, it does not end here on earth. This journey, it doesn't end here on earth, but rather it's going to lead us to a place of eternity. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. One of the best things that you can do is to let go of the let, let go of, of those things that, uh, you know, are holding you back. Let go of those things and just say, all right, God, I'm going to press towards the mark. Press towards the mark. That means I'm going to make progress towards that mark. Even for some, it's, it's about letting go of that victory lap that you took when everything felt great. And you hadn't been, th- been on the journey very long. And you need to let go of that victory lap that you took and that experience. And, and not, not in a sense of saying those days are, are bygone, but, but rather to say, you know what? I'm okay with the journey. I'm okay that there's 
going to be some things that I, I'm going to face and, and I'm going to struggle through because God's teaching me and I'm tr- learning to trust God and I'm learning to hear his voice and I'm learning that it's okay to go through hard things because now I'm learning what his voice really sounds like and I'm learning what it means to trust him. And so let's, let's let go of that, that fact that everything was great at the beginning. Instead, let's say, God, I'm still right here with you and you're right with me. God, let's, I'm going to press toward the mark. You have great things in store for me. You have great things in store. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we're coming to a close. That we walk by faith, not by sight. How many know that we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight? We know that. It's not always as easy as as just saying, though. But it's a discipline that we all ought to learn. That it's not about the circumstances that are surrounding me, but it's walking in faith and trusting, God, this journey that you have me on, help me to refine my ears and to to refine the things that that I'm, I'm doing in my prayer time so that I can hear your voice speaking to me wherever I'm at. How many of you have ever noticed that, that God doesn't always give you all the details when he's giving you the direction in life? Sometimes the directions that come from God, they, they sound like this. You just drive on down the road and, and you'll see a barn there and you want to take a left at the barn. And, you know, you'll see a dog that's, uh, that's alongside the road. And so, you know, it's just, just down a ways from, from where that dog's at. And you want to get past that dog just a little bit, and you're going to take a left there. And, and then, no, 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 the third left. And, you know, sometimes that's kind of like the directions that we are getting in our spirit life. That it's like, I kind of know what you're saying. But I don't know if I truly, fully know where it is that you're trying to take me. But you do know that the first thing that he said was, go to where the barn's at, and I want you to turn there. Just trust that God is, he's going to keep leading you. And it may seem a little bit fuzzy at times in your life where, where you look out into your future and, and you look at from vantage point right now and you say, I don't know exactly where I'm heading, but I do know that wherever it is, God, I'm going to trust that you're taking me to the right place. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. And I'm not going to do this just by my own sight. I'm not going to do this just, just by my own uh, headiness and, you know, thinking that I know the, what, the right way. But, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. And I'm just going to walk by faith. Now, that walk by faith, this is what it looks like. It often looks like somebody who's on their knees. And the best walks that you can take are on your knees. You walk by faith. You get on your knees and you, tr- you, you begin to cry out to God. Or maybe it's not on your knees, but whatever posture you're in, you're, you come to a place of prayer. You begin to pray, God, lead me. God, show me the next step. When you might even have to stand for your faith at times, that might mean losing some friends. 
You might have some things where you lose a job because of the journey that you're on. I just want you to know that if you follow God's direction, he's going to be with you the whole way. God will be with you. But could we, could we just stand in this place as, as we bring this to a close here this morning? See, I want us to begin this spirit-led life. It's this journey of faith. It's a journey that it's, it's going to take our church to you know, a place that's it's not in our comfort zone. There's some unprecedented things that you're going to experience as you begin to walk in the Spirit. There, there are things that are already happening that, that just amaze me about you know, how God is leading people. And I, and I hear the stories of those who are being led out of their comfort zone to, to having uh, you know, conversations with people about what God's doing in their life. You know, we need to get out into this community. We need to reach out. You know, but how are we supposed to reach and to tell someone else about this life-changing power of the Spirit unless we ourselves are Spirit-led? Unless we ourselves are, are being led by that Spirit. And so wherever you're at today, this journey, I want you to, to sit there and just say, God, I trust you. Help me to get back on track. If I'm, if I'm off track right now, God, help me to get back on track. And God, lead me from where I'm at now to where I need to be. If we could, just all around this place, just, just lift up your hands and you can even close your eyes and just pray this prayer. God, help me today. Help me to, to, to uh, Lord, trust you along this journey. God, I, I pray that you would help me. God, that, that I wouldn't just jump off the path. I wouldn't just jump off the highway at every opportunity. But God, that I would remain faithful to you. That I would trust you in every, uh, Lord, around every bend, around every time where it seems foggy and I'm going and I can't really see very far. But God, I still trust your direction. God, help me today, Lord, I pray that we would embrace the journey, that we would embrace your spirit. God, I pray that, as the scripture says, just a little small voice, the still small voice, as it speaks to us, God, I pray that we would be obedient to it, that we would accept it and receive it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen.